You know, it's it's difficult for me to take people seriously when talking about the conflict between Israel and Hamas. It's hard for me to take people seriously who are just clamoring for a ceasefire. Because if you look in the not-too-distant past, ceasefires haven't worked. Look what happened after 2009. Ceasefire. Then came 2012. Ceasefire. Then came 2014. Ceasefire. Then came 2021. Ceasefire. Then came October 7, 2023. A ceasefire at this juncture. It's like breaking your arm and and putting a a Band-Aid on it. It doesn't work. It's not enough. More needs to be done. And, And that's the sentiments coming from Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel is that there is a a desire to root out all of Hamas from Gaza. And a ceasefire now wouldn't accomplish that. But there are some in, there are some countries in the region that are acting as intermediaries that are acting uh, on be, on behalf of getting getting hostages out, freed from the controls of Hamas and 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 even hostages that are being held in Israel. Dan DePetris is a fellow at Defense Priorities and joins us. Dan, it's good to have you. Thank you for having me. You know, you you wrote an interesting column because it was a question that I have been asking myself. So the ceasefire is great now. Humanitarian aid is is more easily able to flow into into the strip. But what happens when this ceasefire ends? Where where do where do where do we go from here? Well, that's that's the million dollar question, right? I mean, we, we right now we have a ceasefire that's <clears throat> lasting four to five days. There might be a second extension of that ceasefire. And essentially, this is a placeholder mechanism to get uh, hostages away from Hamas and in return to get Palestinian prisoners uh, released from Israeli prisons. And of course, you know, Israel and the United States and, and Qatar and everybody else is trying to use uh, the time to boost humanitarian aid into the strip. Now, we all know that. The problem is after the ceasefire dissolves, or you can't, you can't even call it a ceasefire, after humanitarian truce dissolves, what comes next? And, I, and I'm afraid it's probably going to be a resumption of, of the conflict. And, you know, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu has indicated as much today, where right after uh, right after this arrangement is over, the troops or Israeli forces are going to go back in and resume their operations. So take me a little bit inside what you think these these war rooms look like, whether you're Hamas or Israel. What are the discussions being had? Well, for Israel right now, the priority is essentially to consolidate its uh, position in northern Gaza in preparation for um, uh, the second phase of the offensive in the south. And, you know, as bad as, as the as the offensive in northern Gaza was in terms of civilian casualties, it has the potential of getting being even worse in the south because we have so many refugees uh, that moved from the north mm-hmm. into the south. So the Israelis will be operating in an even tougher environment in terms of uh, you know the population there and, and in terms of uh, the Hamas fighters who, as far as we know, there's still you know ten to fifteen thousand, if not more, Hamas fighters uh, in the field right now. Is this an opportunity because? It does. You mentioned Benjamin Netanyahu and his desire to root out Hamas. Does this have the does this give Hamas the ability to kind of retool, reload, catch their breath and, and come up with a, a a new or different form of of an offensive here against the IDF? 
Well, I think it does. That's always a legitimate concern when you have a, when you have some sort of a truce or a ceasefire. Is you know how how is the enemy going to use that uh, to to its advantage? And to be fair, the Israelis are doing the same exact thing. They're going to they're going to try to use the ceasefire to uh, you know consolidate the positions and review their plans and and make sure that you know as the offensive continues that it's it's done in a, in a more methodical and effective way. Uh, the problem, of course, is that Hamas is pretty much bottled up into the strip right now, and they really have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have two options. It's either surrender to the Israelis, which, of course, they're not going to be doing, or continue to fight the Israelis in what could turn out to be a war of attrition uh, in, in a very highly populated environment. In these negotiations for a ceasefire, what kind of role have countries like Qatar or or Egypt had in these these negotiations these talks well if, if it wasn't for Qatar or egypt we wouldn't be having a truce right now you know the, the israelis and, and hamas they, they don't speak to each other the united states doesn't speak to hamas um really the only countries that do are Qatar and egypt uh, in particularly the egyptian Tel- intelligence service which has a pretty extensive um, communications with uh, the hamas military bureau inside gaza so what, if it wasn't for those two countries, um, I'm afraid we would probably still have, uh, you know, Israeli civilians or, or more Israeli civilians inside Gaza under Hamas's custody. They're really they're really essential in this in this agreement. What is going to be the 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 thing that accomplishes more of a permanent ceasefire? What what kind of what what are the the parameters of something more permanent than just what we're experiencing now? Yeah, right now, I mean, everybody's looking for a permanent solution. And unfortunately, you know, the, the permanent solution has always been the establishment of the two-state framework, you know, and it's easier said than done because you have over, I believe the number is 700,000 um, settlers in the West Bank right now, the Palestinian, that the Palestinians hope to have for a future state. Uh, Gaza is going to be a wasteland after this, after this immediate conflict is over. So the solution has always been a two-state solution between the Israelis and the Palestinian Authority. The problem, of course, is Netanyahu has never been exactly a fan of the two-state paradigm. And this particular Israeli government uh, is the most far-right in Israel's history. And, yeah. and, and they're, they're just as, they're just sure. as uh, skeptical of it as Netanyahu. No doubt about it. Dan Petraeus with Defense Priorities. Appreciate the time. Got to take a break.